Let's turn to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. I'm just going to point you to one verse to get started with, and we'll work our way back through some of this passage throughout the message. But look in verse 14. The Bible says, And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. I want to talk to you this afternoon about discerning the will of God and use some examples from the Apostle Paul's life uh, that can be a help to us. But by way of introduction, if I were to ask you the question here, do you want to know God's will for your life? I think, okay, thank you. I think that if you're here today, you're a child of God, um, naturally you would say that, well, yes, I, I want to know God's will for my life. And I think that every conscientious Christian, if you are conscientious, and you want to please God, it is going to be in your heart that you want to know the will of God for you. I think that's just a given if you're truly saved. And if you've had some life experience, you've been saved for a while, uh, you may have experienced this, and I, I would imagine that you have, that you want to know the will of God concerning you know, major decisions in your life. Um, we hear prayer requests all the time. You know, pray with me. Um, I'm considering a career change or a career move of some sort, and I want to know God's will regarding this. And so we want to know God's will concerning major decisions like career changes or things that we should pursue. Maybe, it, maybe it's even a major decision like uh, the person I should marry. I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know God's will about where I should live um, we need his guidance. And so we, we think that way, and we want those things. We say that we do. And in reality, we need God's guidance in more than just major decisions in life. We need his guidance in dozens of other daily decisions that affect our money, that affect our time, that affect our, our relationships. We need the Lord's guidance in every day life things, not just the major things. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to please Him, then you're going to have this heart desire that in every aspect of my life, I want to make wise decisions that are in line with His will. So discerning the will of God is what we're going to talk about, and I think you're able to relate with all that I just said here. Before we get started on some of those things, we need to understand this. There's a lot of things that God, about God's will for us that is simply revealed by commands or principles in the Word of God. And you don't need to pray about God's guidance in these areas when the will of God is expressed in the Word of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's nothing to pray about. It's revealed. Um, and other principles. For example, this person I want to marry, they're, they're, they're not a believer. Should I marry an unbeliever? Well, God's 
already revealed on his will on that matter that we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There's not a lot of praying that needs to be done. And so there's a lot of God's will that is revealed simply by commands and principles in his word. We don't need to pray for guidance. What we need to do is simply obey. Those are decisions that are clearly spelled out uh, for us in God's word. We simply need to understand it, obey it, put those principles to practice as revealed in the word of God. But what about other decisions? How do we discern God's will in life matters? That's really what we're talking about here. And our text and the history of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts reveals some principles to us on how we can discern God's will. And we ought to be walking close to the Lord so that we can understand and discern His guidance as we live in obedience to His Word and as we live in dependence on Him. Listen, we say, oh, I want to know God's will. I think this is God's will. But you know what? We're not in a position to know and understand God's will if we're not already obeying the things that we know to be true. We don't have the, the ability and we don't have the means to say, oh, I know this is God's will. No, you don't, because you haven't been obeying what you know already first. And so we need to, we need to come to a point where, where we are in line with the will of God because we're walking close to the Lord first. We're discerning His guidance in life because we're being obedient to His known word. And then we're living in dependence on Him, on the Spirit of God. And so with that as a brief summary, I, wanna, I just want to walk through six principles. I'll do it fast, I promise, concerning discerning the Lord's will. Are you calling me a liar? Some of this we're going to find in our text, and there's a couple of things that we'll glean from Paul's life in other places from his walk with God. But let's pray, and then we'll begin on this thought, and maybe, Lord willing, it'll be helpful. Because there may be some decisions that you're needing to make now, or that your family is considering and trying to discern, and maybe these principles will be helpful to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd teach us from your word, remind us of truth, and we always need our hearts stirred, our pure minds stirred up by way of remembrance. So Lord, much of this may not be brand new uh, to anyone, but they are definitely uh, principles for life that need to be ingrained in us. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts with this uh, this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go back a little bit in chapter 21. And just let's read through some of this here to get a little bit of context, all right? And the, the major context is that Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He's journeying to Jerusalem. He's going to go through Philip the Evangelist's house and so on. Um, and there's some things that happen as he's on his journey. Some people didn't think it was a good decision that he was making. And you'll see as we read through this text. In verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass that after we had gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coas, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patera. And finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. 
for there the ship was to unlade her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when, he had and when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down and on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus, and when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. So we're going to again, we're going to talk about the idea of discerning the Lord's will. And the first thing that I want to try to get across to you this afternoon is that when it comes to discerning the Lord's will in your life, first of all, we need to get to the place where we are willing to write a blank check to God, if, if you will, with your life. Now look in verses 10 through 13 with me. Verse 10, the Bible says, And as we tarried there many days, there came from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Verse 11 says that, he took Paul's girdle, he bound his own hands and his feet, and then he prophesies, he says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul said, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. The idea here is that the Apostle Paul lived in a realm where his life was a total blank check to God, meaning that God could do anything with his life that he wanted. And when it comes to discerning the Lord's will in our lives, listen, friends, it's this. It is futile to speculate about God's will for your life unless you are 100% committed to obeying whatever He says. I think sometimes people treat God like He's a travel agent. In other words, God arranges this itinerary for your life, and then he comes and he asks you, what do you think of this? Does this look good to you? And we might say something like, well, you know, Lord, I really like that week in Hawaii that you've got down for me there. But this other section of my life, I'd prefer not to be 
asked to go to a Muslim country as an evangelist or a missionary. You know, maybe, Lord, you could change that to a few years in Tahiti instead. What I'm saying is this. The Lord is not a travel agent. He's the Lord. Amen? It's true that as a child of God, He does have a plan for your life. And we want to think that God's plan is wonderful. And it is when it's God's will. But listen, we've got to be at a place where we yield our entire life to Him, trusting that His will is the good and acceptable and perfect thing for my life. We've got to come to a place of surrender, in other words. When it comes to discerning the Lord's will, Lord, I want your will. We've got to come to a place of surrender. Well, I I am 100% committed to doing whatever it is that he reveals. you got a blank check with my life. Paul said, hey guys, I'm willing not only to be bound for the cause of Christ, but I'm willing to die for Christ if that's what he determines is his will for my life. Romans 12 and verse 2, 1 and 2 talks about us presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. It's the good and perfect will of God. And so Paul had long since done that in his life so that he could now say at this point in his life, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul didn't consider his own life as dear to himself because it was the Lord's. And let me make an application here. Friends, signing signing your life over to God where you don't actually have control to determine what happens next, that might feel kind of scary at times right? I am 100% committed, Lord, to whatever you have for me. I'm not sure what that is at this point. It might actually require me to have a whole lot of faith, and I don't know the answer, and it seems kind of scary, but I trust you. I'm ready to not only be bound, but I'm also ready to die. We might come to the point in life where, okay, the Lord may want me to do this, and if He does, that seems a little bit scary, and, and, I mean, what if, what if I really surrender to the Lord and he, and, he, and he calls me to some jungle somewhere as a missionary? When I don't even like camping out. What if he does? I think that what we have to remember is this. That no matter whatever, no matter what God asks of me, or no matter where he leads in my life, I remember and I know that He is my loving Father, that He is all-knowing, that He is all-wise, and His purpose is to glorify Himself through my life, and so all I need to do is just trust Him. Blank check. Do what you want with my life. Now, granted, His path for you might include some severe and some difficult trials. If we're only concerned about our comfort, then we're never going to trust the Lord. 
whenever something seems to be difficult or hard. But even if it is severe trial or difficult trial, even in those things, we can still trust the Lord. He will bless in ways that we can't even imagine if we'll simply submit to Him and submit to His Word and submit to His promise. He promised that no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. And I guarantee you this, no one, no one, including those who've gone through severe trial and persecution in their life, nobody who ever wrote God a blank check with their life later on regretted it. Job didn't. No one said, oh man, boy, I messed up there. I really wish I wouldn't have given God full control of my life. And so what I'm saying is this is the place that we need to begin at in discerning the Lord's will. Lord, I do want your will, and I'm giving you full control to do whatever you want with my life. The second in discerning God's will is this. We must grow to know Him intimately through His Word and His Spirit. We're going to borrow this from Acts chapter 20, so I want you to turn over there. Acts chapter 20. And note verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying, The bonds and afflictions abide me. So here Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem bound in the Spirit. The Spirit is compelling him. And Paul said, I don't even know what's going to befall me there. But I know the Spirit of God is compelling me. Now, Paul had known the Lord. Paul had walked closely with the Lord for years at this point in his life. We see that exemplified in his life. This was the thing that was the driving force in Paul's life, to know the Lord more fully and more intimately. Look in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Note the heart of the Apostle Paul. Philippians 3, 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win or gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship or partnership of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. What was his heart? To know or to win or to gain Christ, to, to know the power of his resurrection, to know the, the partnership of his suffering, to know Jesus intimately. Paul preached to walk in the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. And what I'm simply saying is that 
in discerning the will of God, not only do we need to come to the place of a full surrender and writing the Lord a blank check, if you will, you can do whatever you want. I'm committed 100% to following this. But secondly, I've got to be at a point in my life where I am trying and wanting to know Him more intimately. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy formulas when it comes to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a process. It's a process that requires a heart to love Him, to want to know Him, to diligently seek Him. How do you do that? Through His Word, through prayer, through time spent, learning of His character, learning of His heart, learning to be obedient to Him even when it's hard. We say, I want to know the Lord's will. Pray with us. Pray for me. This is something we're trying to decide and discern. Okay, wonderful. Are you committed 100% to whatever He wants? Number two, are you seeking after Him, diligently trying to know Him in your daily life? That's going to be the heart of one who really wants to know the Lord's will. Because I know that it will please Him. And I have it inside of me more than anything to want to please Him. The third is back in our text. See, I'm already in number three. I told you. Going fast. Look at verses 11 and 12. Here's another principle for discerning the Lord's will. We need to act on biblical principle and not on human wisdom. Lean not on our own understanding. Okay? So I'm trying to discern the Lord's will. I need to act on principle and not lean on human wisdom. Verse 11 of our text. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Now, I'm expanding here on the previous point in order to say that at times, God's wisdom and God's ways are opposed to man's wisdom and man's logic. Sometimes that's the case. And when it comes to discerning the Lord's will, we need to act on principle and not on human wisdom. Because sometimes the wisdom of God and the ways of God are opposed or different to the wisdom and logic of man. Isaiah 55, I'll just read this to you. You can turn there if you're quick. But Isaiah 55 and verse 8 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, let me give you an example. Using our text here, human wisdom and logic would say that we should avoid a course of action 
that is going to lead to obvious trials. This is what was happening here. When those people heard Agabus' prophecy that this is what's going to happen when Paul gets there, they're like, hey, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to something that is going to lead to obvious trial. But let me say that sometimes God's will involves trial and hardship because His will is to be glorified through His servants as they endure various trials, even martyrdom. And here's the application. It might not seem logical to some to go over to the Middle East as an evangelist and a missionary, especially now. You know, our evangelist is there, There's all this chaos in the world, but he needs some help. He needs somebody to help him. And it may not make a lot of sense right now for somebody to yield their life to the Lord, to go do something that's going to lead to obvious trial. When the reality is, friends, it's actually not logical to operate in disobedience to the known will of God. That's what's not logical. If God is saying, go do this, and it looks like it's going to be obvious trial, and I don't want to do that because of the trial, the thing that's not logical is to operate in disobedience to the known will of God. That's the thing that's not logical. When we have Bible principle... When we have direction and we do otherwise, that is not logical. Why was Paul bound in the Spirit? Remember he read in chapter 20 and verse 22, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Why was he bound in the Spirit to do that? Well, the Lord had already revealed some things to him. Therefore, he was compelled to obey. In Acts chapter 9, I'll turn over there and read this to you as well. In Acts chapter 9, in verse 15, the Bible says, this is Saul on the road to Damascus. He was saved. He's going to be the Apostle Paul. But in verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Lord had already revealed to the Apostle Paul that he was going to suffer in his life. When you get to Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, where Paul said, I go bound in the Spirit. Unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except for this, he says, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He's like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, except I do know this, that the Spirit of God has already told me that bonds and afflictions are going to happen every place that I go. In the very beginning, Jesus said, I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer 
for my name's sake. Why was Paul bound in the Spirit? The Spirit of God was directing him to do this. That's, and Paul had this, this blank check of his life. That's why he could say, hey, I'm, I'm not only ready to be bound, but I'm also ready to die, if that's what the Lord chooses. The fourth thing is this, in discerning God's will, when it comes to discerning the Lord's will, we need to analyze our motives and our desires in light of God's purpose to glorify Himself through my life. Why do I exist? Why do I have life? My purpose is to glorify the Lord, right? That's why He's given me life. So now, when it comes to discerning the Lord's will, I need to analyze my motives and I need to analyze my desires in light of the main purpose to glorify God through my life. Paul says this in verse 13 in our text. Verse 13. Then Paul answered, So here the people had said, Don't go. Uh, it's, it's not a good idea. Don't go up to Jerusalem. You're going to find yourself arrested. This is going to lead to trial. Then Paul said in verse 13, Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's like, Why, why, why are you, what do you mean to, to weep and to break my heart? He's like, He's, he's telling you, these people, like, I, I don't want to hurt you in this. I don't have a death wish in going up to Jerusalem. I simply want to glorify the Lord Jesus, the name of the Lord, with my life. And this is the point that I'm trying to make here. We need to analyze our own motives in light of that purpose to glorify the Lord. So when it comes to discerning the Lord's will... Can this thing that I'm considering, will it rob God of glory through my life if I do this? You know, maybe it comes to taking a job or moving to a new place or, or whatever. Is, it, is this thing going to be something that ends up causing me to rob God of glory because I'm not going to be obedient to Him like I would be otherwise? Will this hinder the will of God or cause me to be disobedient in some other area of life to Him? I need to consider what my motive is in discerning this. What's my motive in considering this thing? Is it driven purely by my flesh and my desire? Or can God get glory out of this somehow? Am I truly walking with the Lord? Uh, am I willing to, uh, to consider this thing but even walk away from it? If the Lord says no, all because I want to glorify Him. I need to consider my motive. And just because an opportunity presents itself and it doesn't violate biblical principle, that doesn't mean that it's something that is God's will, necessarily. Hey, a new job opened up. I can make a lot more money. There's nothing about this that violates a biblical principle, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the Lord's will for me. On the other hand, we could be resisting something that the Lord is actually wanting. Why are we resisting? 
What's the motive? What is causing the lack of yieldedness in my life? Is it a lack of faith? Is it my flesh? Maybe the Lord is trying to compel me to do something. Maybe the Lord's compelling me to yield my life to Him. To, to maybe, it's, maybe it's to be a preacher of the gospel. But I'm resisting. Why am I resisting? Is it a lack of faith? Is it my flesh? What's my motive? You understand what I'm saying? We need to analyze our motives. We need to analyze those and, it, and those desires in light of the main purpose. And the main purpose is that God gets glory out of my life. Am I hindering that? The fifth thing, when it comes to discerning the Lord's will, is that we need to listen and evaluate counsel from godly believers. We need to listen and evaluate counsel. Look in verse 4. In verse 4 of chapter 21, And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Interesting. Then you look at verse 12. Verse 12 again, And we, excuse me, and when we heard these things, both we, and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, it might be a little confusing. And some say that Paul was wrong in going to Jerusalem, especially in light of verse 4, where it said that they said this through the Spirit. Notice that. Finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So some people say that Paul was wrong in going there, especially in light of verse 4. But we also need to remember that Paul was also bound by the Spirit already. So the Holy Spirit would not be contradicting himself here. This verse needs to be interpreted in light of Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23, which we've already read, but you can look at them again. Verse 22 and now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit in Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. Understand that verse 4 of our text was not a command to Paul from the Lord that he should not go to Jerusalem. But rather, it was simply the imploring of the Christians that he shouldn't go in light of what the Spirit revealed would happen to him when he got there. So they were saying, hey, we understand what's going to happen, and so we don't think it's a good idea for you to go. The Spirit was revealing what was going to happen. It wasn't a command to Paul from the Lord to not go. Now, As far as Paul was concerned, the revelation of bonds and afflictions befalling him, that was nothing new. That was nothing new in his life, according to verse 23. Paul's companions, Paul's friends here, in this situation, they had good motives. They loved him dearly. They didn't want to see him suffer 
But their motives were different than Paul's. Paul's motive was a higher motive. His motive is found in verse 13 where he says, The thing that I want to do the most is to glorify the name of the Lord. Now look in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. In verse 1, Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What was Paul's greatest desire? His desire was, number one, to glorify the Lord. His desire, number two, was that his countrymen would be saved. Why was Paul going to Jerusalem? Because it was already ordained of God that he would be a witness for Jesus Christ there, that people would have the gospel there. It's a higher motive. They meant well. They didn't want to see him suffer, but his motive was higher. The point is this, though. We should always evaluate counsel that we receive when it's from a godly source. We should never go to determine the will of God without seeking advice or counsel. The Word of God tells us in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, all of us have blind spots in our life. God has given us resources. God has given us people. And listen, listen, just because we're going to go and get some advice or just because we're going to get some counsel, it doesn't mean that those people are the deciding factor, but it does mean that there's an element of safety that's built into the decision-making. That's what it means. And we all have blind spots. We all have things that we can't really see clearly, especially when we're right in the middle of something. All we see what's right in front of us. A lot of times it takes a different perspective to get us to, to, to be able to see things more clearly. This is why we're instructed to seek after advice from godly sources, because it helps us in determining what God's will is. I've, I've long, long been... Uh, I've understood this in my own life. And it was a point I needed to come to in my own life a long time ago when it comes to discerning the Lord's will. A lot of times people won't get advice because they already know what's going to be said and they don't want to hear what's going to be said because there's something that they already want to do. That's not a blank check for God to do with whatever He wants. The heart that is discern, wanting to discern the Lord's will, my soul is whatever. Sometimes there's, there's, there's times of confusion, and I, I think that the direction I'm going is right. I'm not 100% sure about this. How do I know? Well, there's some things in our life that God has given to us that are built in that help us discern that we're going in the right direction. Number one is the Spirit of God within. Is He compelling me to do something? I sense there's a compulsion from the Lord to do this, to go this direction. Maybe I'm not 100% certain about what's going to happen, but there's something that's compelling me. Number two, it's the Word of God. Is there something about what I'm discerning or trying to do that is in violation of the Word of God? 
If there is, automatically, it's not the Lord's will, and automatically, the thing that's compelling me is not the Spirit of God, right? Makes sense, right? So I have the Spirit of God within. I have the Word of God. These two things are now lining up. Okay, there's some safety there. What about the third thing? The third thing is godly counsel. The third thing is godly counsel. Okay, here's what I'm proposing to do. I think it's the right thing. I think the Spirit of God is compelling me. There's nothing that violates the Word of God here. Now I'm going to go talk to my pastor. I'm going to go talk to somebody else who's godly in my life, and I'm just going to bounce this off of them. Hey, here's what I'm proposing. Here's what I think the Lord is saying. What do you think about this? Do you have some advice? Is there something that you can see that I don't see in this? And after going through the process of getting good advice, now I've got the Spirit of God in me. I've got the Word of God that's, that's guiding me. And now, thirdly, I have, I have the, 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 if you want to call it the, the blessing, if you want to call it that, of godly counselors in my life. There's, hey, you know what, brother? That seems to be really good. I don't see anything here that would be uh, contradictory to the Word of God. In fact, I could see that this could be good for you. What does this do for me? It gives me it gives me a course to walk on. I've got the spirit of God, I've got the word of God, I've got godly counsel. It's all pointing in this direction. I've got some confidence that I'm walking in the right way that the Lord wants me to walk in. That's a safety net in helping me to discern the will of God. What happens when there's something I'm wanting to do? I say that the Spirit of God is compelling me to do this. And I go and I ask some advice, and my pastor or somebody else is like, hey, you know what? Do you ever think about this? That really seems like a real red flag to me. What should be done? What should we do? How should we operate now? Does it mean that that's not the Lord's will? No, not necessarily. But it sure should cause us to pause and take a step back and say, okay, okay, why? What is the Lord trying to do here? And the reason for that is because there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Amen? We should always... Seek advice from godly sources because it helps us in determining God's will. There's none of us that can see it all perfectly clear. We all have blind spots in our life. That's why we need each other. And often people won't go for advice because they know what they're going to hear. And it shows they don't really want God's will after all. This is what I want instead. And so we need to advice. We need counsel. And then the last one, I told you, they call me a liar. <laughs> what we ought to do is prayerfully evaluate the circumstances that God allows. And this is last on purpose. And it should be last on our determination list as well. Often the best thing to do when it comes to discerning the Lord's will is to not consider circumstances at all. Because a lot of times people make decisions based on 
circumstance. This looks really favorable. This is really going to benefit. This is really going to do this. This falls in line with what I want. Is this the Lord telling me what to do? I think circumstance should be the very last thing on the list when it comes to determining the Lord's will. Often the best thing to do is actually set all the circumstances aside and try to just get a yes or no answer from the Lord. Is the Lord giving me peace about this or is there no peace in my spirit about it? Because we can get all twisted up and we can convince ourselves that this is a good thing because the circumstances are favorable. Or we can say, hey, those circumstances are negative. That can't be right. That can't be what the Lord wants, right? Paul's circumstances in this case was that he had a couple of warnings not to go. On the other hand, one could say that being able to get on ships and to go with a straight course and to go to Jerusalem before Pentecost, all of that was showing God's approval. See, there's no hassles here to what I'm trying to do. What I'm saying is that circumstance is not really an evaluator. Circumstances can go either way. They can be good, they can be bad. And that's why it's not wise and not of God in a lot of cases, you know, too, we want to put out the fleece. You understand what I'm saying? We want to come up with our own little tests about things in order to determine if something is God's will. A lot of times it's not wise. Closed doors don't always mean no, but sometimes it just means not yet. Just like open doors don't always mean yes. Just because the door is open doesn't mean that the Lord wants us to walk through it. We need to work through the process of dependence on the Lord. Work through the, pro- the process of dependence on His Word. Work through the process of, of seeking His face to find peace through prayer, to find peace through good counsel. Not looking at the circumstances in front of us. So let me just kind of close up with this. What if you make a mistake in discerning the will of God? If you come to realize that your mistake was due to stubbornness or self-will or pride, what we need to do is confess it. We need to ask God to overrule that mistake because He's bigger than that. He's greater than that. My heart's in line now, Lord. I'm sorry. I do want your will to be done. God can use a mistake if we submit to Him and seek to please Him. Because praise the Lord, He's greater than our failures. Amen. When it comes to discerning the Lord's will, first and foremost, the heart needs to be, Lord, whatever you want. I'll do it. I'm committed to that. But then secondly, it needs to be a heart that I just want to please you more than anything else. I don't want to do anything that's not in line with what your plan for me is. 
So that heart of humility is very critical, very key. I don't really have anything else to say regarding this. Just one last thing as we kind of close this up. And it's not to save people. It's to unsave people. I've heard people say, who are not saved, you know, just trying to be obedient to God, trying to do the Lord's will. Well, you can't do the Lord's will if you're not saved to begin with. The very first thing for you is that you need to repent of your sin. You need to trust in Christ. If you're here today and you're not saved, God is still giving you an opportunity to respond to Him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us with your word today, just these simple principles that we need to be reminded of. Because we would all say that we want to know the will of God for our life. For a conscientious Christian, we do. It's kind of built into our Baptist Christian culture to say we want to know the Lord's will. Maybe there's major things and serious things that we want to seek after because the ramifications of making a mistake are detrimental. But what about the rest of life? What about the daily things that affect our money, affect our time, affect relationships with people? We need your guidance. We need to know your will. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to consider that and to help us to realize again that my main purpose for even having life is to bring glory to the Lord. That's why you've granted to me life. Lord, I want that too. Lord, would you take me, use me, direct me, so that you bring glory to yourself. And then, Lord, to follow these basic Bible principles when it comes to discerning what your will is. You've built in for us a system of safety. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us be committed. And however you may speak to hearts today through this, Lord, I pray that your will is done. In Jesus' name, amen.